Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website as we enter into the Christmas season. Uh, Christmas 220 is going to be far different from previous Christmases because it is occurring in the midst of a pandemic and the pandemonium that it has created. I believe I can use that term freely here because it has turned nations literally upside down. Their economies, their social fabric of the nation, their politics, their everything has been infected and affected by this this virus that has been set loose upon the world america however holds the 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 terrible distinction of having the most of any nation in the world of infections and uh, thank god that uh, vaccines are coming i don't know your feeling on these vaccines i i think feelings are very mixed and should be uh, but at the same time we understand uh, that that there is an effort being made to rein in this global global outbreak that we are in. Uh, there are millions that are going to die in countries like Nigeria, uh, th- tens of thousands from hunger uh, as, a, as a byproduct of the economic disruption that this uh, outbreak has brought. So today, we want to bring a message to you about something that is so important for all of us to get back to this Christmas season, really every Christmas season that that we enjoy after this, and that is a spiritual understanding of Christmas. We're in desperate need of a spiritual understanding of Christmas. And we need, in in order to have that, we need to see Christmas uh, not from the perspective of, of the holiday blended with the holy day, but from the holy day uh, set apart from the holiday. Now, it's going to be kind of hard to do that, uh, and yet it can be done and it must be done if we're going to find the true peace of Christmas, the true joy of Christmas, we will never find it in a gift under a tree. We will never find it at a Christmas party. We will never find it at at any kind of the festivity celebrations of the holiday. And yet, I I fully intend to out-celebrate the world this Christmas season. There's no uh, party they're going to have that's going to out-celebrate me this Christmas season. And I'm going to tell you, in my heart, I am going to celebrate Jesus like never before. Amen. I'm going to be so happy to focus on Him and what His life and His His sacrificial death on the cross and what His resurrection means to me personally as a child of God. We all know what Christmas looks like from an earthly perspective. It's gifts, presents, parties, trees, lights, decorations, feasting, resting, shopping, dropping. I mean, you can go on and on. But even Christians can miss the true meaning and particularly the spiritual significance of this most holy of Christian celebrations. Christmas and Easter 
or Resurrection Sunday, as I like to call it, to not mix it to where we lose the significance of it. These two holy days are crucial to our faith. Without Christmas, without Jesus coming to grow up and die on the cross, there could be no resurrection. Without the resurrection, there could be no salvation. Jesus dying on the cross without raising from the dead, that death in and of itself without the resurrection to show God accepted the sacrifice and it had been, it had been sealed uh, by God Himself when the blood of Jesus didn't just drip from that wooden cross, but it dripped and was sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. A spiritual transaction occurred that allowed for us to be saved. The Bible is very clear that you, one is canceled by the other. If Jesus was not born, uh, there could be no, no sacrifice for our sins offered on the cross. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, uh, there would be no forgiveness of sin. He was raised for our justification so we could be absolutely legally forgiven by God when we repent and receive of our sin and receive Christ as our Savior. In fact, if there was no resurrection, we are yet in our sins. And so it cancels out the death of Jesus, amen, on the cross. But both of them together, amen, bring something so powerful, so profoundly wonderful, so outrageously gracious that we can be saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, until the day of redemption when our bodies are going to be changed. Praise God. When the dead are going to raise and when we live with Christ in heaven with God, the holy city forever. We need a spiritual understanding of these holidays to the world that they may still maintain their holy significance unto us. And that doesn't mean that you can't give gifts. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy a festive celebratory meal. In fact, festive feasting meals is part of the heritage of God's people in the Old Covenant. There were Feast of Tabernacles. There was the Feast of Trumpets to, to commemorate and celebrate occasions. There was the, 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 uh, the Feast uh, the meal that was was uh, put in place to to commemorate and celebrate their deliverance from Egypt. It was even at that feast. It was to to tell the children to what had happened when they ask about it and and to bring them into it. And we need to bring our children into a spiritual defining of our faith so that they are not just just separated uh, from the holy day completely. Let them enjoy all of the festivities of the holiday, but bring them in. Bring them around the table. Bring them in and tell them what it really means when this baby was born, what purpose he was born, and what 
going to the cross has accomplished for you and me. That's why we want to talk about a spiritual understanding of Christmas this year. Brother Venable, are you going to have a tree? Yes, I don't worship the tree. I know pagans did in the old covenant. They set up trees and bowed to them and tried to make them uh, symbolic of their God and they made an idol out of a tree and they fixed it on a piece of wood to hold it up and brought it in the house. That's not a Christmas tree that that is sitting in my house. And it has no other significance than to to be celebratory during this season. When I see any tree, I think of a particular tree. Amen. I don't know what kind of tree it was that they took the wood and formed it into the cross on which Christ died. But I know that tree is so significant to me. And that's the real. The cross is the first real Christmas tree and it would be something you wouldn't want sitting in your living room but the one i have to to celebrate his his coming to this earth to go to that cross amen that's see everything changes when you look through a lens of spiritual understanding Amen. The Bible said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, and Christ was made a curse for us. You see the difference in how you see things. Yes, I'm celebrating, and I don't have to... Listen, if we don't celebrate Christmas, the world is going to turn, take all of the holy day and just turn it into a commercial holiday. Amen. Is gift giving a part of celebration that God honors and God has even prescribed? It was in the book of, of Nehemiah chapter eight when when Ezra stood and read from the from the book of the law and he 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 saw the people repentant and contrite and so sorry they had drifted so far away and he didn't want to leave them in that state of contrition. He wanted them to celebrate their forgiveness and their restoration. Praise God. Amen. So he told them to, to go go and eat the fat. Don't weep any longer. This is a done deal. God has forgiven you. Now go eat. Eat the fat, there's the feast. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, <laughs> and give gifts to one, give portions to one another. If somebody wasn't there, and when, when you come together, make sure they get a portion and give those gifts to one another. Celebrate this, this forgiveness. Celebrate this restoration. Even when covenants were made, there was a meal that was to seal the covenant. Part of the sealing of the covenant was eating together a covenant meal. In the New Testament in particular, there, there is a celebration of, of our salvation and the price that was paid for it called Holy Communion, called the, the, the Lord's Supper where we take tokens of his of his broken body and his shed blood in remembrance of him and what he has done so we're taking things that the world makes just just trifling festivities and we turn it into the holy significance that it really really holds for us as Christians today praise god so yes i have a christmas 
tree, but I see another tree. I'm celebrating something far beyond the twinkling lights. Uh, but uh, and and yet, are are we going to give and get presents? Uh, really, we're going to celebrate having each other more than anything that could be put beneath the tree. There may be something there, and if it is gift giving. Is nothing wrong with that in and of itself unless we just get caught up in the rush and the crush of people last day Christmas shopping trying to survive it instead of really enjoy it and employ it in a way that's going to bring something of eternal significance rather than just this temporary time of hustle, bustle, rushing, spending without thinking about how we're going to pay for it all. Amen. Buying things we don't need with money we don't have because of having the credit and and being able to do it. Don't get caught up in that this season. Let's get a spiritual understanding of Christmas. Now, if you want to just separate it completely, the world will own it. I don't want the world to own it. I want to be able to walk in a department store and hear Silent Night and hear that particular song. I want to hear O Little Town of Bethlehem in a public square, in a public forum. I want to hear one of the songs that represent the true significance being injected into the the Jingle Bell and the Santa Claus stuff. If we pull back The world will own it. They don't own it right now. We're still going to hear those songs in a mall. Some people are going to push to take all reference out. Was it last year that you couldn't even wear red and green to school in any combination because somehow red and green represents Christmas. (laughs) The devil is so afraid of what God has done when he gave his son and when Jesus condescended to come down to this earth. The devil is so afraid of what happened on the cross and the man who rose from the dead on the third day and ascended into heaven and is coming back again. He is so fearful. He would like to cancel every reference to Christmas because of its spiritual significance. And that's why as Christians, we need to own it, praise God. We need to celebrate it, but not without the spiritual understanding and not trying to, to, to just, just put the value on it that the world does. In fact, we need our whole life reconstructed, if it, if need be, to have a spiritual foundation And look at everything through a lens of the Spirit rather than the lens of the flesh. Hallelujah. Listen, we're going to talk about in the book of Revelation, there is a vision of Christmas and its true spiritual impact from heaven's perspective. So we want to make this very clear that Christmas itself is a declaration of war on the kingdom of darkness. I want to say that again. Christmas itself, the coming of Christ into this world, He didn't come just to lay in a manger and evoke 
sentimental feelings of this pure, precious Christ child. Thank God for the Christ child. But you are not saved because the child was given in the sense of just staying a child every year to revisit the manger. He came here so he could grow to a man and hang on a cross for you and for me. And and while thank God for the Christ child in the manger, but thank God for the man Jesus who at 33 years of age went to the cross, became our sacrifice, our sacrificial lamb, our lamb of God, God's lamb given to us to take our place and pay our sin debt on the cross. This is a declaration of war on the kingdom of darkness. And you will see this right here as we look at Revelation chapter 12. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. I want you to understand wonder here. Under Underline it, therefore, that we might understand it as we read the Greek meaning of that in the New Testament. Listen, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, underlined wonder once again, and a, behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them down to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now I want to stop here just a moment. In China right now, there is a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. It is said that there are at least estimated 50,000 people a day coming to know Christ as their Savior. But it is coming from a ministry, from a church that is not just a denomination, but a church made up of believers, all those who have trusted Christ, which make up the true church anywhere. But in China, there it is said that at least 50,000 are coming to know Christ every single day. There's a mighty revival coming as a result of the testimony and the teaching of an underground church driven underground by the political powers that be in China right now. There is a state-sanctioned church that can't even teach on the soon coming or the second coming of Jesus because of the threat it is to their political power structure that a king would come that would be over all other kings. Sometimes, sometimes the atheist and sometimes those, those people who are so dead set against Christianity are the most 
threatened by it. And I often say to that, if if it isn't real, why are you shaking? Why does it upset you? Why does it incense you? Why why are you so intimidated by a God that you don't even believe exists? And particularly, why is the name of Jesus such a threat to you? It's because, friend, this is real. And deep in the heart of hearts, they know that it is real, and they are threatened by it. And the scripture is very clear. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, if, if there is an acknowledgement of the Creator and that will judge us all one day, amen, then we become responsible to Him uh, for, for the choices we make in life, amen. If we choose to reject his offer of salvation. There's no alternative but judgment. And that judgment is so horrifying. I, I don't think even as we try to explain it biblically, we can fully grasp how, how horrifying it will be to find ourselves without hope and without God on that day when we all must stand. Listen, it is so important that we Grab a hold of a new and afresh Christmas 220, the significance of this time. That's why in China, it is, it has been said that one of the high ranking officials said when they began to persecute the church preaching the gospel, the true gospel, the fullness of the gospel in red China, we must, this is their statement they made in light of what I'm reading right here. So they know something. They know something from the Word of God. The devil knows who Jesus is, and he knows what his fate is. Listen to what a high-ranking official was said to have said. He said, we must, we must kill the child while it's yet in the womb. In other words, don't let the gospel get a foothold. You see, there's a power in the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the truth of it. Hallelujah. That penetrates the darkness. It's the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. They only have their political powers and their military force to back it up. But spiritually speaking, the gospel always trumps the darkness. Praise God. Amen. This light has shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. I'm going to tell you something. The smallest light dispels the deepest darkness near it. Praise God. Amen. Listen, I'm going to say that again in verse 4. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them down to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now you can read about the fall of Satan. The angels that followed him were also cast down. And that is what scholars really believe. This means when the dragon fell and pulled a third of the celestial angels that followed him in rebellion. And and then 
he knowing the prophecy of Genesis that the seed of the woman would bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel. That is not a deadly wound, not a final death wound. Amen. And that happened on the cross. Jesus rose again. And through that resurrection, he will bruise your head head. And that is the death wound. Satan is not dead, but the penalty of eternal death, the second death, is already pronounced upon him. And the Bible said, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth! During the tribulation, Satan hath come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. He knows that. The only damage he can do to God is to blind and bind men and women to take them to hell. And that, and that breaks God's heart to see that occur. That's why he went to the greatest length he could ever go in the giving of his son. And actually through that, the giving of himself for our sins. Amen. Because the Godhead is, is not, uh, we, they're one in work and one in essence and one in purpose. And Jesus was God with us. God incarnate. And that's why it said to wit, God was in Jesus Christ on the cross reconciling the world unto himself. This is the glory of Christmas. Oh, I love the song, Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would say not mine for? Oh, friend, that is a wonderful sentiment. But it, the Bible is clear. A king didn't just die for us, but our Creator, our God in Christ died for us. The only way he could die was to become human, the second part of the Godhead, the second person of the Godhead. Jesus Christ took on flesh. He became incarnate in flesh in the womb of Mary, in a manger, that he could grow to a man and hang on that cross for six solid hours of torment until he could say, it is accomplished and pay our sin debt on the cross in full. And that's why that the enemy wanted to destroy the man-child. And that's why there was a decree given by a, a king intimidated by the message of the Magi that there's a king being born and he in his political fear and fear of losing his political power and place said that all the children under a certain age were to be killed by the sword trying to kill Jesus kill the man child because Satan doesn't doubt the prophecy he doesn't doubt the efficacy of scripture he understands there would be a child born of a woman coming through the seed of a woman that would bruise his head. He knows when God declares something's going to happen, it's going to happen. 
He knows it better than the average Christian knows it, believes it more than the creeds and dogmas of many religious organizations. He is not a doubter when it comes to what God has said in His Word was going to occur. He doesn't doubt it for a moment, and He moves But he fights to the last, knowing he will lose in the end. But he wants to do as much damage as he can out of his hate for God. Amen. Listen. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. Amen. Listen. The woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. But he, he lost that battle, didn't he? And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now we can see several perspectives here. One of, of Jesus and Mary. But this woman that we're talking about here can't be Mary as we read further, but it goes on to represent the Jewish nation because it was a Jewish. Mary was a Jewish girl that brought forth the man-child that tried to be killed in that day. He also hated the nation. And of course, when we as Christians become one with Israel... Amen. And we become part grafted into the true vine. He hates the church who didn't bring forth the man child, but puts forth the man child as the savior of all mankind. The only way to God and to be saved. So he hates and wants to destroy the child himself. And if he can't destroy the child, he wants to destroy a man, the, the nation that that through the lineage of the nation by which he came, and that is Israel. And then he wants to destroy the church who didn't bring forth the man-child, but puts forth the gospel as Christians sharing the faith and preaching the faith and missionaries proclaiming the faith all over the world. This is a war, and it's all because of a baby born in Bethlehem that went to a cross, died on it, and paid the sin debt in full, rose from the dead. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. A friend of mine, our time is gone, but I hope you'll come back next week and let's pursue this. Make no mistake about it. There is a war in heaven. And that war in heaven caused a war here on earth. Jesus came to declare war on the kingdom of darkness and the king of darkness himself. And I want you to know, amen, we win this war if we keep our eyes on Jesus and our faith in his finished work on the cross, through the person of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the love of God, we win this great war with darkness. Praise God. We're in a day of great prophetic spiritual significance. I believe the day of the Lord is hastening greatly. I believe the coming of Christ is at 
the doors. And I believe a window of opportunity is open right here and right now for us as God's children to see the spiritual significance of not just Christmas, but Resurrection Sunday and even the cross itself and the place it should take in our life, in our churches, in our teaching, in our preaching. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto every one of us who understand the significance, every one of us that are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And today, I declare unto you, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that little child came here to grow to manhood at 33 years old to humble himself and let them nail him to that tree so you and I could be saved. And I pray this Christmas that you will run to the cross, that you will repent of your sin, that you will accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your King of kings, your Lord of lords, and find the peace and the joy that is eternal and that you will celebrate with an understanding and find the true joy of this season. Amen and amen.